0: This morning, we're blessed. We're blessed to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're blessed that there's a lot of pies back there. Amen. We'll be blessed tonight when we're eating pies at home around a table. Um, But uh, we've been preaching a series, and, and in this series, we just talked about the reset that God has taken us through. And, you know, the purpose of our church is to love God, to love people, and make an impact in our world. And sometimes... Again, we, we, we've we talked about what it means to love God and how we truly love God with all that we are and what it means to love people. But then when it comes to impacting our world, we struggle like the world's a big place. I was telling someone the other day, I, I remember when my wife and I, we were in Florida. We had flown to Orlando and we were driving to Tampa and just thinking about how many people there were and thinking about how impossible it must be for pastors in these contexts to reach all these people. You know sometimes when we think about impacting our world and it, it, we think oh if we can cover Crawford we're fine but I believe as a pastor God is calling this church that's Christ Community Church in Crawford Nebraska to touch our Judea Samaria into the ends of the earth I believe that God is using our church to touch our community I believe that God wants to use our church to impact our state I'll just share this real quick last Monday I was on a phone call or a Zoom call which is what phone is anymore with a bunch of pastors and there was a pastor in Ord, Nebraska, and he, he was sharing a testimony, and his testimony was simple. He said, you know, we've got an after-school program, and we've got like 50, 60 kids coming. And we did a survey with the with the kids, and my wife asked him, how many of those kids have Bibles in their homes? And he said, 70% of the kids that are coming to that after-school program don't have a Bible in their home. That's in Ord, Nebraska. And so I was rude, and I paused the meeting, and I said, hey, why don't we just buy some Bibles like right now? And so I sent a a check to that pastor. We didn't buy them all. We bought a part of the Bibles. Um, We sent a check to him. He texted me on Saturday, said he already got the check, and they've already got the Bibles order that they're going to give to those kids. See, because we're called to impact our world. That's Crawford, Nebraska. That's the state of Nebraska. That's that's the nation of the United States into the ends of the earth. And so today as we talk about, we're culminating this series on impacting our world. We're blessed to have a missionary with us this morning. The missionary who's with us, his name is Jim Mazurik. He said he's been in Chile for his whole life, basically. Uh, he said he's been there, I think his dad was a missionary for 36 years and... He's a missionary for 36 years. I don't know if that math works, but there you go. You can figure it out. No, (laughs) Um, he's not quite 72. They've had some overlap in their ministry, but that's kind of how it worked. And so he's been invested in a nation. In a nation that many of us maybe we can or can't even find on a map. And so, Jim, we're excited to hear about what God is doing in in the nation of Chile and how we can partner with you to impact our world. The kids are going to come in. Kids, you can come on in. We're going to keep our kids in with us because, again, our kids oftentimes they don't get this experience of hearing from missionaries, of hearing from men and women who are sacrificing for God in places that look a lot different or feel a lot different than where they are. So the kids are going to be with us this morning, too. So, Jim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this off. Good morning, everybody.
1: And thank you so much, Pastor, for that introduction. And thank you, everyone, for the possibility of being here. It's been a good number of years since we were up here in Crawford. And my name is Jim Mazurik. My wife, Esther, and I are your missionary servants in the beautiful nation of Chile. And I have a little report I want to share with you real quick on what's been happening in the... Most recent years, so hit play on that, please. As you can see, Chile is that long, skinny country on the western coast of South America. If we put it over North America, it'd go from Mexico City up into northern Canada. Northern Chile has the world's driest desert, the largest mines, and the largest telescopes. It's the clearest sky to outer space from the whole world. The so central part of Chile is like California. We have huge mountains, a lot of wine and uh, fruit industry. Santiago, 7 million people. Southern Chile is a fisherman's paradise. It's a land of volcanoes. And it goes all the way down to Patagonia, where the whales and the penguins live. Southernmost nation in the world. After that comes Antarctica. What could be wrong in a place like that? Well, it's our young people. It's our kids. Chile's youth are Latin America's leading consumers of alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, cocaine. They are very liberal. We have street gangs such as these, and they have, in recent years, turned to violence with a lot of manifestations and so forth. This is just from 2019. What is the solution for these problems? It's to reach kids, especially those kids growing up in at-risk conditions, to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ at the earliest possible age, to use creative ministries to capture their interest. Hey, there's a Speed the Light van, by the way, guys. Thanks, all the Speed the Light people. Okay? To teach them Christian values, to give them a quality education based on biblical principles, and, of course, to reach the whole family, mom and dad, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one of our families right there. How are we doing this? We've been at this for many years in different rental facilities. But we are now in a construction program developing the Santiago Children's Ministries Outreach Center. The first building is almost complete. We've enjoyed the visit of a number of Nebraska churches. And we're just waiting for Crawford to get off there when all this COVID thing passes and conditions allow. Those are crazy guys from Bellevue Christian Center right up there. Anyway, we are so excited that this first phase is well over 90% complete. And we have gone from that to that. And uh, let's see. One more. Oh, yeah, there we go. Windows are in. Doors are in. The lights are on. That building is in use, or it was in use till COVID shut it down. Now, this is where we were in March of last year, digging trenches for the foundations for our three-story brick and school education wing, which is an elementary school by day and a Bible college in the evenings and on Saturdays. That's as far as we got, and then COVID shut it down. But we are praying for a a quick resumption of of, of construction, if the government will release that. And we need your help. In the meantime, these guys are our crew that have been trying to keep a very low profile and keep working on a few odds and ends until they can get back to work. So please pray for us. Please help us reach these goals. We want to see these buildings finished and put into full service. And consider coming down sometime. We would love to see the folks from Crawford maybe teaming up with some other area churches. Come on down to help us. Thank you so much. Now, uh, hold a second on that one. Let me introduce this, please. Um, it would be great if I had some kids with me here from our ministry. I did have two young men that were visiting us uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And they were with me in, a couple, in some of the, the churches that we visited them, but they just flew back to Chile. One is a young man who we met when he was like four or five years old, very dysfunctional family. But the power of the gospel transformed that family. The mom dad are saved. This young man is now a college graduate and a school teacher, a math teacher. Uh, another young man was with us who we met When his mom found out about our ministry through our television outreach, and uh, she began to come to our ministry. She was desperate, single mom. Her kids were impossible. And anyway, this young man uh, became um, an excellent Christian, and he is now finishing his degree in civil engineering. And uh, he was also with us here. And uh, I don't have them with me today. Sorry, they just flew back. But I did bring a video testimonial by a young girl, by a young lady, who is also a part of our ministry. This is a girl that we met when she was just a child in a very dysfunctional situation and uh, probably was on a slippery slope to a life of standing on street corners. But uh, the Lord had a different plan. I want you to check her out, her story. Her name is Esther Hit play on that one for me, please. Thank you. Put the volume up a little bit. Thank you.
2: Mi infancia fue más o menos, pero recibí a Cristo y mi vida cambió.
1: This is your Spanish lesson for the day, okay?
2: Mi vida escolar fue mala porque cuando yo tenía 8 años, sufría de epilepsia. Y el motivo, me, tu, me tuvo que sacar del colegio, porque me podía dar en el, el, la micro, en el trayecto, la epilepsia.
1: Entonces estudiaste hasta tercero básico. Hasta
2: tercero básico, hasta sí. los 15 años. Fue una profesional y le decía que al pastor Daniel y a otras personas más que estuvieron ahí presentes, que era que no se podía hacer nada porque era una pérdida de tiempo y ellos fueron todo lo contrario me ayudaron, me apoyaron y me, me dieron todo el apoyo, me ayudaron a hacer clases para poder terminar en exámenes libres hasta el octavo básico y después hacia adelante, después de que ahora terminé mi enseñanza media y ahora tengo un título de un título de de gastronomía. Eh, todo, el apoyo de, la, de las personas que están en ese ministerio, el amor que me entregaron y el cariño El cariño fundamental que me ha entregado cada una de las personas que están en el ministerio. Mis planes para el futuro es seguir estudiando, tener un hogar, mi casa, mi propia casa y trabajar en el ministerio donde crecí. Mi mi experiencia de misiones, mi primer viaje, fue maravilloso. Fuimos a bendecir a otras personas, pero fue al revés, porque yo me vine muy bendecida. Y ya estamos pensando, juntando el dinero para poder viajar el próximo año. Muchas gracias. Realmente ha sido una gran bendición para el ministerio y personalmente para mí. Mi visión es... Se ve un colegio hermoso con tantos niños y con tantas familias que van a ver a Cristo. Esa es mi esa es misión y va a haber muchos alumnos que van a estar ahí necesitan apoyo como lo, lo necesite yo. Mi infancia fue eh, más o menos. Pero recibí a Cristo y mi vida
1: cambió. Would you give the Lord a praise for what he did in the life of Esthercita? She is just one of, of so many, and uh, it's just so wonderful to see over the passage of time and the number of years that we've been doing this, working with this kid's kids ministry, we've been doing this for 25 years. And so we've been able to see kids that we we, we first met when they were living in a shack in an environment filled with drugs and guns and everything, and to see the gospel change and transform the life and to see them finish high school, go to college, uh, and, and move on as a young adult. Uh, serving the Lord in the church, faithful. And uh, and now we are sending out missions teams, and these kids themselves are now parts of the – we've been to Colombia, we've been to Patagonia, we're planning to go someday even to Indonesia, uh, everyone raising their own funds and so forth. So it's wonderful to see what the Lord is doing. It can be done. You see, it's all about change lives. That's what missions is. And so when when Pastor says it's mission Sunday, let's bring our missionary offerings, don't think about the dollars and cents. Don't say, Oh wow, here goes some X dollars. Think about, wow, how many lives is Jesus going to change and transform through our collective efforts with our missionaries? That is what it's all about. As Paul Harvey, we would say, the rest of the story. We'll, we'll hear that someday in, in heaven. So thank you so much for your prayers, for your support, for everything you're doing. I was looking at the wall. So many missionaries that are being blessed by this congregation. Keep it up. Keep it up. That is just a wonderful thing. Before you uh, leave to go buy an expensive pie. Please stop by that little uh, podium that Pastor loaned me by the uh, uh, audio sound uh, balcony there. <laughs> Not sure what to call it. Uh, on that there, I've set out some literature for you. There's uh, just a, a, a very simple leaflet printed on both sides that tells you what we're doing, how you can help, so on and so forth. And also, there is a... I have a version of this with uh, contact information on the back, and there's also this one, like this one here, with a magnet on the back. The magnet one is, of course, you can put that on the refrigerator or whatever. One guy in one church met me at lunch and asked for another one because he put it on the gas tank of his Harley motorcycle and it blew off when he (laughs) left the church, so it doesn't work on a motorcycle. But, ladies, help me out here. Put this on the fridge. Because you never know sometime at midnight when hubby is raiding it, the Holy Spirit just might say, put down the pie and pray for these guys right now, okay? So we're counting on that. And also, there's a clipboard like this one back there where you can uh, sign up your name and uh, email address and so on if you'd like to be on our mailing list and be able to hear more reports from us frequently. Uh, just go ahead and sign up. And uh, don't worry, we won't sell it to the Chinese or anything like that. Uh, but we would love to keep in touch with you folks. Praise the Lord. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 87, if you would, please. And uh, I just want to take a few moments to share some thoughts with you from a passage of Scripture. It says it is a Psalm of the sons of Korah. And uh, I'm using the NIV version. And let's go ahead and read what the text says here. It says, He has founded his city on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia 2 and Tyre along with Cush and will say, this one was born in Zion. Indeed, of Zion, next slide please, indeed, of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. As they make music, they will sing. All my fountains are in you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you now in Jesus' name for the wonderful privilege we have, the wonderful freedom that we have of coming together in your house to worship your name, to fellowship with one another, to pray together, to hear your word. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this liberty. We thank you for this privilege. That is denied to many around the world, but that we enjoy here in America. So, Lord, bless your people everywhere we pray this day. Bless the church in persecuted countries. Bless the church in America, in Nebraska. And bless us, Lord, as we gather around your table to hear your word. Free our minds from all distractions and help us just to focus our attention on what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Next slide, please. You were there. Oh, back up one, please. There we go. Okay. The Psalms of the Sons of Korah. Um, I love the Psalms. I love to teach and preach from Psalms. Psalms are a wonderful Part of the scripture, and it's different from others in that the communication is not a top-down, thus saith the Lord, but it's people are responding to God. They're, they're replying to God for what God has said to them or done in their lives, and they are, the psalmists are praising and thanking and worshiping. Sometimes they're still in the middle of something and they're confused or fearful. And you can say, well, why is that in the Bible? Well, but this is also inspired by the Holy Spirit because this is a channel that God gives us by which we can also express ourselves to Him. A- have you ever been at a moment where you didn't know what to say to the Lord? You open your Bible to a psalm and you let the psalm do the talking for you. You know what I mean? That's wonderful. That's what they're there for. God put the psalms in there to to, to do the talking for us in those times. But there are some special psalms where the psalmist was writing it down and all of a sudden I'm sure he would say to himself where did that come from? Because the Holy Spirit is moving him to say things that he didn't maybe conceive himself. He's prophesying. And there are psalms that have prophecies about the coming of Christ and his death and burial and resurrection. The New Testament quotes these and points these things out but The psalmist, (laughs) I'm not sure how much he knew what was going on. This Psalm 87 is one of those. It's a prophecy psalm. And it says in the Bible, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. Well, before we dig into the psalm, let's answer the question, who are the sons of Korah? That's very important because Korah, that word, is a very important word it's an important name in Jewish history let me give you an example I'll throw out a name from American history and I want you to yell back to me the first thing that comes to your mind okay and watch this we are all going to say the same thing I guarantee it are you ready I'm going to say a name from U.S. history and you say the first thing that comes to your mind are you ready Okay? High school kids, you should know this too. All right? Here's the name. Benedict Arnold. Traitor. 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 See? They all said the same thing. If this were Israel in a synagogue with Jewish people, the same thing would happen if I yelled out the name Korah. Traitor. You all remember who Korah was? Number 16 tells the story. See, Moses had been on the mountain, and God had given him all the commandments and the laws about the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and the holy days and the offerings and organized the whole pattern of worship for his people. And he's telling everyone what to do. But there's this one sorehead, one control freak, that just had to stand up. And disagree with everything Moses said. He didn't like any of it. That was Korah. Why is only the Levite tribe, the priestly tribe, all the pro- tribes should get to be priests? We need a rotation system. And why do these Levites do this and these Levites do that? He was part of the Kohathite line, it, with lineage of the three lineages of the Levites, which were the they were burden bearers. They had to carry the sacred things like the Ark of the Covenant and so forth on their shoulders, things that couldn't be put on a cart. And when the tabernacle was set up in the desert, they pulled guard duty. They were the doorkeepers. And Korah didn't like that. And everything Moses said that God had said, this is the way it's going to be, we do this, 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 and this, he argued on every point. And Moses tried to settle him down. He wouldn't listen. Long story short, it got to a point where God finally said, stand back. Everybody stand back. And they left Korah and his buddies alone in the center. And what happened? Remember the story? Big earthquake hit. Ground cracked open right underneath Korah and his buddies' feet. And down they went into the chasm. And the ground closed. And that was the end of that. Wow. But the day that Korah died, his wife and his little kids, they were off to the side. His little kids had nothing to do with it. And his kids grew up and they had kids. But forever, they were always called sons of Korah. And they carried their ancestors' name, whether they liked it or not. And that name, Korah, was forever... A name of infamy. Uh, the 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 epistle of Jude, the last book before Revelation. Jude is talking. He's talking about the false prophets in his time, and he compares them to different bad guys from the Old Testament. And he says, Woe unto them because they have gone the way of Cain. Remember Cain and Abel. Cain it says, For prophet they rushed headlong into the error of Balaam. Balaam, the false prophet. And then he says, They have perished in the rebellion of Cora. And here 1500 years later this guy drops the name Cora and everybody knew who he was talking about. Just like when I say Benedict Arnold to you folks. So walking around with this subtitle son of Cora must have been difficult. That must have been that must have been a little tough. But you know what happened? In time The sons of Korah discovered that God was right. That God knew what he was doing. That God's plan for their lineage was the right one. The prophet Samuel, he was one of the sons of Korah. His lineage bears it out in in the book of Chronicles. And when the temple was built by Solomon, the sons of Korah, they were there no longer carrying heavy burdens because the temple was built, but they were the doorkeepers. They were the security guards. They were the ones that controlled the gates. There were gates on the north, south, east, and west. Four men at each gate, except for the eastern gate, which was bigger, had six. And they had shifts that they would be there 24 hours a day pulling guard duty. And guess what? In time... They also discovered that they had a special gift that God had given them. You know what that was? They wrote songs. In our Bible, they're called psalms. In your Bible, there are around 20-some psalms that are written by the sons of Korah. This is one of them. Can any of you remember another psalm of the sons of Korah? Oh yes, you can. Come on. Next slide, please. How about this one? As the deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul pants after you, oh God. Psalm 42. Check it out. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah. Or, next one. Greatest Jehovah. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God, the mountain of his holiness, beautiful on high, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. We sing that. Great is the Lord and great. Remember that one? As old timers, we know that song. That's a good one. You've got to bring it back, Pastor. <laughs> and this psalm, we, we see something that's a trend here that most all the psalms of the sons of Korah have to do with Mount Zion. Mount Zion was that hill on the north end of Jerusalem where the temple stood. It was the ground that David had bought. And they sang songs about Zion and about the temple. They wrote songs about their job. Have you ever written a song about your job? You don't want to? (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't. It might be a great country western hit, but it might not be the most appropriate song. I don't know. We'll see. But these guys wrote songs about their job. They fell in love with their job. And they sang about Mount Zion. Next slide, please how about this one how lovely are your tabernacles O Jehovah of hosts my soul longs ye even faints for the courts of Jehovah my heart and my flesh shout for joy to the living God even the sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young your altars O Jehovah of hosts my king and my God blessed are they who dwell in your house they will still praise you it's about the temple where they were the security guards and they realized, you know, I got the best job in the world. Going to work every day was a pleasure, because they just loved to be in the house of the Lord. And and this psalm, it seems like the backstory here is one day, one of the sons of Korah on guard duty sees a little bird flying around with a twig in her beak—a a, a wren, a finch, a sparrow—and she's fluttering around, and there's some little cranny crack up between the top of a column and a bond beam. And she's poking around in there with the little twigs and she's building a nest. But the temple guard doesn't go get a broom and sweep it out. No. He wrote a song about it. It's in the Bible, it's a song. And he is saying, even a sparrow knows best place in the world to build a nest, house of the Lord. That's a pretty smart bird. So if they ever call you bird brain, it's not all bad, okay? It's not that bad of a deal, all right? Uh, next one, please. Now, this is, this is classic son of, uh, son of Korah. This is classic. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God and dwell in the tents of wickedness. Wow. And Because that's what their job was. They were the doorkeepers. They weren't the guys that went in there and made the sacrifices and put the animals on the altar. No, they were just the security guards. You know? But they fell in love because they realized God knows what he's doing. Folks... Don't argue with God. When God has revealed his will, his direction, don't argue. Embrace it. He knows what he's doing. He's actually the smartest guy in the room, believe it or not. He really is. Um, may I trouble someone for a glass of water, please? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, now, let's go to Psalm 87. Next slide, please. This is a brief little psalm. Seven verses long, and I've given you enough background of you know who the uh, the, uh, the writers are. Sons of Korah, security guards, love the temple, love to hang out in the temple. They write songs about the temple. But I told you this one has a bit of prophecy in it. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you very much. Even this will have a reward. Now, this is a short little psalm. It's only seven verses long. And there are three big ideas in here. Okay? Next slide, please. The first idea is this. Zion is unique. Look at what he says. He has founded his city. Let's talk about God. Where did God put his city? On the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. What is he saying? Zion is unique. This is the place where God has put his city. This is where God has his temple. This is where the presence of the Almighty dwells. That's the way it was back in the old covenant days. That is where the temple stood. That's where the Holy of Holies was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the mercy seat was above the Ark of the Covenant, and the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. Back in the day, you want to have an encounter with God, you go to Jerusalem, you go to Zion, you go to the temple. That's where God is. Don't waste your time going to Egypt. Don't bother with Babylon. Don't waste your time going to Syria or any other place. This is where the presence of God dwells. That is the message of these first verses. And what it's saying is this is unique. There's only one. This is not one of many. This is the only one. You want to have an encounter with God? You come here. This is God's city. This is the focal point of His love. He loves this more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. It's first point. Second point. Zion, next slide please, is for everyone. Now, this is where the prophecy part kicks in. Remember, I said there's a prophetic part to this psalm. Look at these verses 4, 5, and 6. Now the man is saying, yeah, Zion is unique, but now he says Zion is for everyone. Which is a pretty radical thing for a Jewish guy to say back then. He says, I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia, too, and Tyre, along with Cushion, will say this one was born in Zion. Indeed, of Zion it will be said this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High Himself will establish her. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, that's with an S, plural, peoples, this one was born in Zion. Now that is a very strange verse for A Jewish person to be saying back then a thousand years before Christ because they were very nationalistic. But here he is prophesying. There's a day coming when people from all these nations are going to come, and God will say about them, They were born here. And look at this nation, these are these are all the historically these are all the enemies of Israel. Rahab, that name has, has to do with Egypt, where they were enslaved. Babylon, the empire that would later come and destroy everything. Philistia, the Philistines. Remember Goliath, the Philistine. Tyre, capital of the Phoenicians. That was where Queen Jezebel came from. The wife of King Ahab, who filled up all of Israel with Baal worship. She came from Tyre. And he's listing all these enemies. Enemies. And He's saying, God is saying, I'm going to record these as among those who acknowledge Me. Who know Me. And I'm going to write it down in the book. They were born in Zion. You know, (laughs) where you were born, It's a very decisive thing in your life. You folks are here enjoying all the privileges and pleasures of being Americans. Why? You were born here. Guess what? Where I live, there's a lot of people who wish they were born here, but they weren't. And they would give anything if they could change that and be able to say they were born here in America. You know what I'm talking about. Where you're born is important. When I graduated from college, from Central Bible College back in 77, I first went to uh, do ministry in Dallas, Texas. I was the dorm director for Dallas Teen Challenge. And I served in Teen Challenge for a couple of years, and then I took a position as a, an associate pastor at a large church in Dallas, Texas, and, and I also got married at the interim. And uh, after a season of that, We wanted to venture out and take on the role of lead pastors. And I thought maybe there's some small town around here, some small church that wouldn't mind giving a 25 year old kid a shot at it. And I talked to my presbyter, sectional presbyter in North Dallas, explained my story. And he just looked at me and said, Well, tell me, son, where were you born? I said, I was born in the great state of Iowa. I was born in Iowa while my daddy was planting a church there. Well, you see, son, that's your problem. Because in these little towns here, son, if you weren't born in Texas, you don't stand a chance. So we came to Nebraska. Kimball. And pastored the church in Kimball, south of here. Nebraska. Jim Wilkins didn't interrogate me about where I was born. (laughs) They welcomed us. But down in Texas, I'm warning you right now, if you weren't born in Texas, don't waste your time, okay? All right? Where you were born is important. And this psalmist, the son of Korah, he is prophesying about a day coming when... Here are the sons of Korah doing their doorkeeper guard duty thing at the temple. And here comes a guy up the road. And they can tell from a distance. This is a Babylonian army officer. They can tell by his uniform and by his shield and the flags that are flying behind him. There's a general of the Babylonian army and they are bracing themselves for battle to not let this guy in. And he keeps trudging closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden when he's right at the gate, loud voice booms out Let the man in, he was born here. What do you mean he was born here? He's a Babylonian for crying out loud. He's not Jewish. He acknowledges me. I wrote him in the book himself. Myself, I wrote him down. Let him in. Wow. Or another guy coming up the road. Ten feet tall. One big guy in the middle. No, I'm just kidding. But a big guy. Nine, ten feet tall. Philistine. Relative of Goliath. You can tell it from a hundred yards. And he's trudging up the road. Sons of Korah, they're calling for reinforcements because this guy's a big one. And they are ready to hold the gate. Guy gets up to the gate, voice booms out. Let him in, he was born here. He was born in Zion. I recorded it myself in the register of the peoples. This psalm is talking about this whole new birth, second birth, someone who was born originally in Egypt, Philistine, Tyre. But now they come to the temple of God, and God himself is saying, this one was born in Zion. He wasn't even born out in Bethlehem. He was born right here in the temple. That was a pretty radical thing to say back in the day. And the third truth is the last verse, seventh verse. And that is, the truths are, what did we say? Zion is unique. There's only one kind. There's only one of them. Two, the man is prophesying. Zion is for everybody. And the third truth is, Zion, then, is therefore our real birthplace. Verse 7, as they make music, who's they? The Egyptian guy, the Babylonian guy, the Phoenician guy, the Philistine guy. As they make music, they will sing, all my fountains are in you. And so it ends with this image of like, here's the the Babylonian and the Philistine guy, like they're doing a little river dance number. (laughs) They're singing and dancing. And they're saying, we've come home. (laughs) We're home. And they're saying, all my fountains, all my sources, all my roots, my fountains, where I come from, it's all here now. God has totally uprooted me. He didn't break me off at the stump, He pulled me up, roots and all, and replanted me here in Zion. Wow. That's a pretty cool song. And it's prophetic he was seeing what was going to happen when Messiah came. Now next slide please. let's look at what does this is how does this work out for us today? Are these truths still the same? Oh of course they are. Next slide please. You see the temple, Mount Zion is of the Old Testament is simply a type, a prophetic image of the church. Today, we are the temple of God. And from Pentecost onward, the Spirit of God dwells in this temple, the church, the body. Hebrews 12 makes the connection. You check out this verse. Hebrews 12:22. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are written in heaven. He starts talking about Zion and he ends up talking about the church. You see the bridge. And who's the church? The ones who are written down. Like the psalmist said, I will record in the register of the peoples this one was born in Zion. And those same truths that the psalmist brought out, Zion is unique. Zion is for everyone. Zion is our real birthplace. All those are true regarding us in the church. Next slide, please. Because, you see, the body of Christ is unique. There is only one way to God. Look at what 1 John 2 says. Everyone who denies the Son neither has the Father. The one confessing the Son also has the Father. Another way to put it would be simply this. Don't tell me you know God if you don't know Jesus. Can I have an amen on that? Don't tell me you know God if you don't know Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So I'm sorry, Mohammed cannot help you. By the way, he's dead. Buddha cannot help you. He cannot bring you to God. He's also dead. There's only one who can bring us to the Father, and that is the Son. The one confessing the Son has the Father. And guess what? The body of Christ is unique. For I don't care where you were born. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what nation you come from, what culture, if you're from North America or Africa or Latin America or the Far East or the islands of the sea, there's only one way to know God, and that is by knowing and embracing Jesus Christ the Lord. That is why we have missionaries. That is why this is a missions church, and you are helping missionaries all around the world because you understand this truth, and I'm just here to, to encourage you and to reinforce that missionary heart and vision that already burns in you is that these people, the only way they can ever come to God is, they, is through Jesus Christ, the Lord. And the second truth is also true. The body of Christ is for everyone. Next slide, please. We could, we could have a dozen scriptures up here. I'm just going to use one. Or two, I'm sorry. Uh, Colossians 3, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, foreigner, Scythian, slave, freeman. Christ is all things in all. And the next slide, Revelation 5-9. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the book and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The body of Christ is for everyone. Now, this next sequence, just go with me quickly through these slides. You see, the body of Christ has room for this man from India who tortures himself in his passion to find God. The body of Christ has room for these women in Saudi Arabia who pray faithfully five times a day every day as they are seeking somehow to find God. The body of Christ has theres room for this North Korean soldier who may have participated in a firing squad, shooting down Christian pastors. But guess what? Jesus came and gave his life for this fellow. There's room in the body of Christ for this child from the Congo in West Africa, who is probably HIV positive and might die of malnutrition. But guess what? Jesus loves him. Jesus gave his life for him. Someone has to go and tell him that. There's room in the body of Christ for this young man in Santiago, Chile, who in October of 2019 was one of thousands that set out to burn and loot. Stay with me on this image for a while, sister. We had huge, massive nationwide manifestations break out. Just in Santiago, they destroyed over 60 out of a network of 165 subway stations. How do you burn down a subway station? I could give you a box full of old newspapers and two boxes of matches, and you won't burn down a subway station. You know how they did it? With sprinter vans that pulled up filled with 55-gallon drums of diesel fuel. That's how you burn down a subway station. Coordinated, organized, financed, Terrorism. They ransacked and destroyed 34 big box Walmart stores. When this picture was taken on that same day, I was downtown Santiago in a hotel with a team of 16 young men from Virginia who had come to work on our building. God bless Virginia. There are some tough dudes in Virginia, let me warn you. Most of these guys were vets. They knew how to handle themselves. But we were there in the hotel watching this stuff on TV unfold and, uh, it was a Sunday. We dare not go out because we could just see on the TV the reports from all over the country. I was in the lobby with a half a dozen and all of a sudden a gang of about 12 guys just like this with hoods over their faces assaulted our hotel. And the hotel staff threw a switch that put through some deadbolts in the doors. And they all bounded up onto the doors, glass doors. And they're banging on the doors trying to get in. I'm staring there in unbelief about no more than 10 feet away. And they ran around the corner to an alley. And they found some old cement block and some large stones, some river rock that someone had left there. And they grabbed those things and they stood out there on the sidewalk and began hurling them against the glass doors. Whoom. And, and the glass would just, it sounded like a thunderclap. It would just, whoom. It would just, it would shake and you could feel the shockwave coming off it and we're staring in unbelief. But the glass didn't break. And the more it didn't break, the angrier they got. And they just kept throwing them over and over and over. They kept it up for about six, seven, eight minutes. glass wouldn't break. And finally they just got fed up. They found some trash, and they put a pile of trash in front of the doors and across the sidewalk and across the whole street and set it all on fire and put a, a fire barricade there to keep traffic from crossing the street or getting in or out of the hotel. But they didn't get in. That same group went on from there to two other hotels. They got inside, they ransacked them, they went room to room and helped themselves anything they wanted. A few days later, they assaulted the five-star Holiday Inn Crown Plaza downtown right by the Presidential Palace. They got in there, they burned the shuttle buses that go to the airport, they burned down the kitchen, they burned down the lobby. They did millions and millions of dollars of damage. But they didn't get into our hotel. Do you know why? Can I tell you why? This is why. How many of you have a missionary prayer card in your house? I saw a whole bunch of prayer cards out there. You can help yourself. There's probably a dozen prayer cards out there for you. Somebody was praying. Holy Spirit, send them to somebody. Drop what you're doing. Pray for these guys right now. These things don't happen unless somebody was praying. That's why I want you to take our prayer card. It's not a souvenir. It's a weapon. It's a powerful weapon that the Lord uses. So please take one from us. And if you don't have those other folks, wonderful folks back there, there's plenty. Help yourself. But let me tell you what was going on in my mind when that was happening, when I'm there staring in unbelief at these guys with demonic fire in their eyes. As they're trying to break down the doors. Lord just kept saying to me, Jim, this is why you're here. This is why you're here. To reach these guys. And to help little kids who are growing up in horrible situations so they don't grow up and become hate-filled, angry young men and women like these people. That they can know the peace that passes understanding. That they can know that God loves them and has a plan for their lives. This is why you're here. This is why we need your help. Next slide, please. This is why we're building these buildings. So we can have a place where the kids can come and be trained and know Jesus and discover his healing power and see families restored and and lives changed and kids taken away from a life of, of of child prostitution and and so on and and go on to to graduate from high school and go to college and, and become a, a christian successful a pastor a missionary a, a a dentist a lawyer an engineer a school teacher this is what it's all about next slide please huh it's all about seeing these kids, who are growing up in very poor and at-risk conditions, give their hearts to Jesus and learn to praise Him and to and to love Him from the earliest possible age. Don't wait till they're seventeen. By then, the devil's already beaten them up. It's too late. You got you got to go early. Next slide. And uh, to wrap this up, I've taken more than enough time, folks. I apologize. The same truth is here. The body of Christ is our real home. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, all things have passed away, all things become new. That's what the Psalm is talking about. All my fountains are in you. That's what the New Testament says. If you're in Christ, all that old stuff is gone. God pulls you up by the roots. And he transplants you, roots and all, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his Son. That is what he does. And I don't care what you did or what your daddy did or what your granddaddy did. That's all gone. That's been erased. That's in the bottom of the sea. That ain't coming back. Because you are now transplanted into the kingdom. You've been adopted by your heavenly Father. Jesus is your elder brother. And you're part of the family of God. That's what it's all about. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, there was a night when an important man came to see him, a member of the Israeli Supreme Court, Nicodemus. He came at night so no one would notice he was there, and he wanted to see Jesus. And he asked him, Lord, he tried to butter him up at first. He said, we, we know no one could do the signs you do unless God was with him. And Jesus just looked at the man, and he took language from Psalm 87. And he said to him, sir, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, being an attorney, tried to weasel out of it, you know, with all the mumbo-jumbo talking. Well, that doesn't make any sense, and how can a guy, you know, go to his mom? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he's saying, listen to me, I'm telling you twice now. You must be born again, sir. If you're not born of water and of the Spirit... You won't see the kingdom of God. So the only question that really remains for us today, here, Nebraska, 2021, what's going to happen when you get up to the gate? Will the angel say, we don't know you? Or will a loud voice boom out and say, let him in? Let her in. He was born here. <laughs> I recorded him myself. He's in the book. Stand back. Let him in. And you can do your victory jig dance right there. <laughs> and say, I'm home at last. All my fountains.